I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, the unofficial podcast of Stranger Things. And we are excited and tired. So excited. It is 4 a.m. We have stayed up all day to catch the Eastern Time Zone debut of season two of Stranger Things. And we've just watched it. Uh, I'd say about six minutes ago, we probably finished it. Episode one. Episode we one. <laughs> we didn't burn through every episode yet. <laughs> just to be clear. We went through all of it, guys. It's great. You're not going to believe what happens. Ooh. A lot of twists and turns. Oh, my gosh. It is crazy up in Hawkins. Uh, so this is episode one, Mad Max. And uh, just a quick thing. If you've never listened to the show before, we have recapped and dived very deep. I'm talking plunged just incredible depths into season one. On each episode, a lot of those episodes are longer than the show episodes themselves, which is pure insanity. That's how much we love this show. So if you want to join us for that kind of depth, if you're ready for that, keep listening. Um, It's wonderful. So, yeah, do that. It'll be worth your time. So this is episode one, Mad Max of season two, and Netflix describes it thusly. As the town preps for Halloween, a high-scoring rival shakes things up at the arcade, and a skeptical Hopper inspects a field of rotting pumpkins. It almost sounds like Hopper's skeptical, like, I don't believe these high scores this person's getting at the arcade. I better look into this at the pumpkin patch. (laughs) That's where the answers are. Yeah, I feel like the guy who does the synopses is a little bit high sometimes. We found that out last season. So what did you guys think? Overall thoughts real quick, because, you know, I like to do a step by step, uh, overly detailed recap. So before we get there, just quick overall thoughts, spoiler free. Oh, let's warn the audience about this, how we do things. We're about to spoil the shit out of this. Mm -hmm. So you better have watched it. Yes. Uh, You're supposed to watch the episode first, then come to us for analysis. That's obvious, but I just want to make clear in today's spoiler reverse culture and in fact it's best if you watch the episode right before for the full experience yeah anywho we we may have new listeners because of the season two dropping so if you are new Mm. welcome Welcome. Mm. why the fuck weren't you listening earlier (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) he's not subscribe rate and review andy initial thoughts oh it was awesome i mean i've been so hyped about this for a year and it was it actually lived up to the hype you know, mm-hmm. at least this first episode did. I was just sitting there grinning the whole time, like, yay, they're back. <laughs> as tired as we were, I, I was on tea, which is, I'm not a tea guy, but it, it helped a little bit. Steve, what about your initial thoughts? Uh, same as Andy. I really loved the episode. It felt like Stranger Things. It didn't feel like anything was missing, but at the same time, it took me places I wasn't expecting right off the bat, even with the first episode. it's It shook things up, but kept things the same. It was that perfect mixture. I don't know that it was Stranger, though. Like, uh, I think they need to change the name. Just call it Par for the Course at this point. Mm. It's just the excellence. Well, Stranger Things 2. 2. Above expectation things. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was disgusted at how much I loved it. <laughs> uh, Shyamalan Dew. 
Uh, <laughs> what a twist. No, I think Steve's totally right. They very clearly hit a lot of the same beats um, in a nostalgic way, uh, kind of in a meta paying homage to itself sort of way, um, which is always really difficult with a sequel. I think there's a very hard balance to strike because people are very picky. Hmm. They want a different, newer, better version of the same thing. If you mm-hmm. go too different, fuck you. You don't respect us, the fan base. You don't know what we like. You just totally lost and what was great about your property. But if you, you know, stick too much to the same, they're like, oh, uncreative. Don't sell. Same old egos. Here we go. You know, so uh, very, very good balance that they struck. So the, the episode opens very strong uh, with some masked burglars in a van. Uh, very Scooby-Doo Mystery Machine-esque van. In it, Pittsburgh. It looked nothing like that, actually. Yes. Was it Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, 1984. Uh, they What did they rob? A bank? Was that yeah, it? it looked like it. Okay. A little bank robbery and a uh, car chase ensued with full 80s police cruisers in pursuit. Um, they took their masks off and they were like... Teenagers, they were kids, right? Am I wrong? No, some of them. The there's definitely them like a middle aged, middle aged dude. One guy looked like in his late twenties, the Mohawk guy. Yeah, I mean, there was a really ugly teeth guy. Um, but one I felt like, like Mike Tyson. The, yeah, the girl who's very important. We'll talk about that in a sec. Who looked like MIA? You know, mm-hmm. all I want to do is pew, pew, take your money. That thing. Oh, that uh, song. <laughs> Are those the lyrics? <laughs> yeah, for sure. All I want to do is pew pew take your money <laughs> with the t- and the bling. Take I, yeah, I, you know. I know what you're talking just about. Just edit that song in right there, and it'll be better. <laughs> uh, yeah, she looked pretty young to me. I don't know. Was I wrong? Early twenties. I mean, yeah, twenties. Yeah, I would say us. the ironically the driver seemed to be the youngest one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, pass those temps, you know. Yeah. <laughs> to the passenger seat as long as they're licensed it's legal Mm -hmm. which is what they're concerned about at this point I believe in the 80s the uh, age for driver's license was like 9 yeah or 11 (laughs) or 8 more importantly so Andy congratulations Uh, your most inquisitory dive into our uh, season 2 predictions rang true so they're pursuing this van and he's what does he say Uh, Maureen do something uh, the the girl's name's Callie okay Way Ma- off. Ma- Maureen's the driver. Oh, okay. Callie is the girl that had the thing. That, yeah, that has the power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Indian pop star. Yes. Okay. In my age, is Callie. <laughs> so, okay. So the van's driving into a tunnel, and they look like they have a plan. He says, "Maureen, do something," which is not the one who does something. So, uh, Callie, she scrunches up her fist, and she seems to have some psionic powers, um, as uh, Murray Bauman would say. So. The, the tunnel collapses and the cops can't pursue. But then the uh, partner cop in the passenger seat, he's like, Bill, what the hell are you doing? I don't know if his name is Bill. Uh, and then we find out from a tattoo on her arm that she is number eight. Number eight. We don't the, know yet what happened to nine and ten or one through seven. And the tunnel didn't actually collapse. It appears as though she put that vision in the first police car driver's head, which made him swerve and cause a wreck with the other ones behind him. Which is very strange. It, mm-hmm. So we have some new questions already. Is this eight figure only capable of uh, psychic projections? Right. Yeah. Sort of like, isn't there an X-Men that does that? Uh, I know Jean, Jean Grey could do that. Is the one Professor that, X could remember, do that. Remember, yeah, there's an, an X2. They kidnap the little boy in the wheelchair, the man in the wheelchair that can do that power. Oh, yeah, and he's got like the 
cross-colored eyes oh. to project the visions into Charles so that he could use the uh, you know yeah he's Brian Cox's kid yes mm-hmm. Brian Cox's kid anywho yeah, we digress that. we do that um, yeah, just <laughs> nerd alert all over the place just splurging nerds <laughs> <laughs> that was this uh, nerds splurges <laughs> Little semen imagery there. So there's a number eight. Uh, yeah. And we don't know if she can physically do things like 11. Um, and she doesn't look to be. We got an evil 11. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe mean, not evil, but definitely a more anti hero, possibly type of. I mean, word. she's robbing yeah. banks. Yeah. Unless yeah. she's like feeding maybe, orphans with that maybe, money, then. But she, Andy, didn't, she didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. Andy, I would argue the banks have it coming. That's the, that's the man. That's the man. Some hell high water shit right here, bro. Get woke. Oh, fuck. God. Andy's off. We're, you're done. This is late. I'm sleepy. So then we cut to uh, Dustin's mom, who I don't believe we've ever seen before. No, we haven't. Yeah. She looks kind of like a poltergeist tea, like, don't go dance the light. Kind of like, not that bad, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then, In like 30 years, she'll be there. Yeah. She calls him Dusty, which I don't think we've heard that either. Dusty. And Dustin's frantically looking for change in the couch, but all he can find is a couple pennies and four quarters. We don't know why yet. So then we cut to Lucas in a hilarious exchange. I don't even think the exchange rate matches for the 80s, but maybe it does. So he's like, I got four quarters. And Lucas is like, uh, I've got four times that. And I did some quick math. and It's, it's uh, $14. <laughs> so, no, just kidding. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's $5, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, uh, like five times that it's yeah, he, five or he, yeah, something. Yeah, he said he had five times that. Five yeah, bucks. so he's got five dollars, and he's like, "How'd you get five dollars, Lucas? What have you done?" And at first, I thought maybe he was in on that bank robbery. You know, he's got twenty quarters. <laughs> oh, I know a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so then he's like, "While you were sitting on your ass talking to your mommy, I was <laughs> playing with Muse, old man Humphrey. I mowed his lawn. I'm like, he gave you fucking five dollars and change. How small is this lawn? But I guess that's what you got back in the eighties. Hey, yeah." You know? uh, and then Mike, we find out, is a thief. So Andy's casting judgments on Callie over here. And Mike is also a thief. I, lo- I love the different approaches that the kids take to get quarters. Like Dustin's ripping the shit out of his house. Like, I need quarters. I need quarters. Uh, his Lucas, whiny mom looks on. <laughs> yeah. Lucas clearly had a plan. He yeah. went out and, you know, he earned his money. He's very logical. He's pragmatic. And then Mike's just like, oh, I forgot about the whole thing. He's <laughs> <laughs> Nancy. <laughs> and, and he steals Nancy's money out of her piggy bank. He steals his sister's piggy bank. Two bank robberies in the first five minutes of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's They're starting off with a bang. They're already, like, pointing us in the direction that there's a lot to have in common between these characters. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> deep dive that. Um, so yeah, they're, uh, we find out later they're trying to get money to go to the arcade. Uh, but we got to pause for a second and talk about Nancy's hair. What do you guys think? She got Shorter. it did up. It's, it's okay, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thinking more of a commentary. It's shorter, less factual. It's brown. Thanks, Mr. Clark. I love it. Uh, the length is lessened due to a cutting. Uh, I like it. I think it's good. Suits her. Yeah. I like it, too. Okay. Well, it's, we've got a lot to say about Nancy's hair. That was a good idea. Thanks, Chris. Moving on. I, I don't want to comment further to not sound like a creep. So you really like it, Steve. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying I like girls with short hair. Okay. I'm she looks saying. very pretty. I'm not afraid to say it. Everybody knows I'm a creep. Uh, Nancy just went from a 10 to an 11. Oh. No. Yeah, a little reference there. How you like that? <laughs> uh, just a little reference. It's, it's a pretty deep dive. Don't yeah. know if you guys don't get it. Yeah. Probably went over your head. Remember her? 11. <laughs> so uh, then we cut to uh, the arcade. 
Uh, and I did make mention of Winona's hair as well. Or does it cut to the arcade? Does it cut to a... No, Joyce, Joyce dropping Will off at mm-hmm. said arcade. Mm-hmm. Winona's hair, also different. Andy, what'd you think? <laughs> <laughs> this worked out so well. What was the length of the hair, Andy? <laughs> Give us an update on that. Andy just goes longer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Joyce's hair was longer. Uh, we talked about that in the season two preview, though, so that's uh, old news. I do like how Joyce is like, now, Will, uh, do not ride your bike or walk home. You yeah. call me because you cannot be trusted. And this is a year later, so she says this every time he goes anywhere is yeah. what we can assume, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So remember, Will, don't just do pretty much anything. Just stay with lots of crowds of people, but live life, be normal. Try to forget that. But seriously, you're going to get kidnapped again, yeah. so... I mean, I think it's okay. I don't it's, judge it's her being overprotective. Yeah, I would probably do the same thing if I were in Joyce's position. I would probably not let my kid go outside. Like, don't look out the windows. You're not even allowed to do that. <laughs> just constant tornado rules. You know, just here, build some Legos in the closet. Yeah, B7 again. Yeah, Just standing over his shoulder at the arcade like, oh, good one, honey. Yeah, get him. <laughs> you dig that, Doug. <laughs> so old Dusty's trying to beat the high score on Dragon's Lair, uh, but he's running out of quarters. He can't quite do it. It's Lucas that holds the high score, right? Because Lucas is uh, kind of gloaty in the yeah, background, it, I feel like. I don't know if it showed the score, but yeah, he definitely gives the impression that Lucas, that's his game. He run, he wrecks shop on, on Dragon's Lair. And then old Keith walks up eating uh, cheese puffs. Was that his name? Uh, yeah, we had yeah. it on the subtitles, and I saw Keith. Yeah, oh, there you so go. that's what's good about subtitles. So Keith walks up, which is uh, just so you know, some deep, deep knowledge here. That is the uh, one of the ride operators in Jurassic World. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. You know okay, what I'm yeah. About? He's the guy who's like, He's like I'm sorry, guys, I just work here, man. Please calm down. Yeah, yeah. It's him. <laughs> so Keith's in there munching on some cheese puffs, and he informs them that. Their high score on Dig Dug has been beaten by a mystery entity. He's all gloaty about it too. I love yeah, that. Yeah, he's just yeah. I'm like 38. It's really weird. I don't know why he's there, but he's like seven feet tall. I think he works there. He's seven feet tall. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had he had the arcade logo shirt on, uh, I think, and they said you were something. Reading? Like, yeah, wow. I, think, I think they also said something like, "What do you make?" I think Dustin says, "Like, what do you make? Like three bucks an hour? Why are you even here?" Oh, okay, he, yeah, he makes some like snide comment that the man's working. I just love that he works. but he's still kind of creepy. He's still creepy because doesn't he uh, try to solicit um, yes. Mike for a date with Nancy? <laughs> Mike's like, "I'm not prostituting my sister." <laughs> so they're trying to pry this guy for information about who is Mad Max, the titular character. Mad Max. Who is this? We got to find out who beat our score. It's Mel Gibson, you nerds. <laughs> Dip. Dip. So moving on, uh, we get a little flashback from Will. So while they're arguing with Keith, uh, Will starts to sense something's wrong in the force and uh, walks slowly towards the outside. And he gets, uh, well, we don't know what it is. Is this a flashback of the upside down? More questions, right? Hmm. So now we don't know who eight is and what they can do. Uh, is Will, are his visions real in some way is he just having ptsd uh is the upside down merging with the right side up we don't know what do you guys think about that um i think that uh it's definitely you know actually happening whatever it is that we wouldn't have much of a plot otherwise but i i I love the uh setup for it you know i mean he just sort of like glances outside sees a little bit of dandruff floating around he's like you guys see that you guys and then he turns and like the whole arcade's empty, and then it like flashes to the upside down version of the arcade, mm-hmm. and all the 
cabinets are all infected looking and the screen's flashing and he steps outside and it's all fucked up and the sky looks amazing and it's the stormy shit. Have you ever seen an arcade with an enormous sign like that that's spinning and stuff? No. Yes. Arcade. Like, also, <laughs> where the not. fuck was that arcade last season? Did they just build that in the meantime? Hawkins is pretty small. It looked I feel like they like drove they, a little bit out of town for that one. I think it think might so? be two miles away from Steve's house. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't get to see it last Slightly season. Slightly <laughs> off the 8 by 11 map. Yeah. I did see an arcade sign like that. It was in Toy Story. Um, uh, what about pizza, real life? Pizza Planet. Pizza Planet. What about real life? No, never in <laughs> IRL, uh, Steve. It doesn't get more real than Toy Story, Steve. I love the CG. I'm very impressed with the integration there uh, mm-hmm. on this season. You can tell the budget went up a little bit. Even though they had less time for post-production, presumably, I'm very impressed so far. Yeah, you can you can tell a lot. like th- Just by the properties that they reference, and we'll get to the Easter egg, is sure. just the sheer amount of properties and songs yeah, that they reference in this the episode chain. alone is yes. indicative of a larger budget. <laughs> I just, I wonder how they shot that because they had to take, you know, Will's going to continue to do this, we can assume, as far as his like flashbacks or uh, seeing deeper into what's really going on or whatever's going mm-hmm. on there. They have to take every location that in which he does that and shoot it normally and then shoot the upside down version, which is obviously a complete different set design and lighting and just crazy amount of stuff. Uh, and I wonder if they shot all the upside down stuff at the same, you know, probably not, but. You know what I mean? On the same soundstage. Oh, uh, yeah. Just rebuilt everything upside down version. I imagine they could have. They just, you know, paint over it with, uh, that's how they do digital stuff, right? They just paint it, you know? Yeah, it's literally (laughs) just one brush, one coat, all done. Yeah. As soon as it dries. You just get into uh, DaVinci Resolve and you change the color scheme. (laughs) There you go. You just go to Home Depot. I need about two two gallons upside down, please. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're all out of that because it's Halloween, (laughs) duh. Uh, Um... Then we cut to, we see Hopper. Oh, Hop. I was so glad to see Hop. And this is where I think they 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 walk that fine line. Because he comes in and he's in full coffee and contemplation mode. <laughs> and I was a little disappointed at first. Here's Let me tell you why. Anybody wonder why? Ask me why. Why? Because <laughs> I felt like there wasn't enough growth from his, of his character from the last season. I mean, he had gone through a hell of a lot of things. Grieving Sarah and, and rescuing Will. Uh, and even though Joyce and he clearly didn't, you know, make it very far from their relationship, I just felt like we deserved a bit more growth from his character other yeah. than in the exact same spot we saw him the first time. But you can tell that there's some fan service there, right? Yeah. The sociopath cops and Flo and the same old beats where she's trying to replace the cookie with the apple and rip the cigarette out of his mouth. And I don't know. But then later I was like, well, I mean, it's not going to change every bit of who he is. And he still seems a little bit happier. Mm. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys See, think? I, I, I read that more of he's playing a part. Like he's yeah, now he's pre- true. Yeah. He's pretending to be back to normal, his normal self because he's, oh, he's got the secret life now right? where he's doing stuff with Hawkins lab. He's doing stuff with another character that we'll go to later on. Um, definitely. He's trying to keep a public appearance mm-hmm. that the town will know him as, but then mm-hmm. he's secretly on the DL uh, doing more Hopper-like things. What did you think, Andy? And then, uh, well, I mean, at least they didn't introduce him passed out on the couch, overdosed on Xanax Very true. with a bunch mm-hmm. of beer, you know? I mean, like, as far as, like, his personality maybe not, hadn't changed. But it looked but, like, like they had just habits. skipped that scene. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, pretty reasons. much the same. No, you're right. I think uh, you guys are very much onto something that he was just kind of playing the part because he can't 
come in all you know lost 30 pounds and shaved and like, what's up with hop you know? i'm working out i'm gonna be in hellboy later this year <laughs> yeah. i did write you want to know my one note for that scene was what the sociopath cop a has mustache. a mustache <laughs> he has somehow become even worse <laughs> super creepy now now i'm giving out mustache rides after i kill people he looks like joaquin phoenix and her now it's like <laughs> yeah but somehow more creepy. Yeah, even, definitely. Even, like by the end of the movie. Hey, chief, you want to see the dead bodies? I'm um, sorry. Uh, hey, chief, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> so then we get the this gentleman who I I later found out his name was Murray Bauman. Do some some uh, some uh, slick sleuthing with Barb's parents. Uh, he seems to be some sort of a investigative journalist, I yeah. suppose, who's looking he, into the Russian was, psionic woman. He's from the Chicago Sun Times, right? He's That's a big he, deal. He's 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 very famous. He's well known. So I didn't know that journalists were like freelance detectives now. Well, I'm getting the impression that he was a journalist because they mentioned that he's freelance now. I think he probably lost his job at yeah. the Chicago Sun for Times being a kook? for yeah for being a kook. What did they do? They hint that right the everybody hints that he wrote about aliens and yeah, stuff. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so now he's uh, he thinks that Eleven is Russian. And that she's a Russian weapon spy thing that's in Hawkins. So there's a Russian invasion beginning in Hawkins, Indiana. And he's going to get to the bottom of it. And, you know, Hop, I think for his own safety uh, and to protect Eleven, uh, decides to listen to him and see what he's got. And then decides nothing. <laughs> he I feel like he, he's, he's listened to this guy quite a lot because even when he first came into the, the police station, he's like, get away from me. Get away from me. Right. Get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee and content. You're the new flow, bro. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, so then uh, Hop takes the first opportunity to answer the phone call about the uh, Merrill's pumpkin patch that needs looked into, which normally is the kind of thing that Hop would be like, seriously, Flo? Uh, we've talked at great length about this. But he's like, sweet, got to go. It's an emergency. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> which is pretty funny. Uh, and he takes off. And then we cut to my man Steve. Steve. Yeah. His hair is two-ear. Two-ear. Steve-ear. Everything's better. And two, uh, he's apparently working on some kind of college application essay mm-hmm. uh, that Nancy's not a fan of. Poor little homie can't write. She gave him a D. <laughs> she's trying to help him out. Oh. He gave her the D. Oh. And she's giving it right back. <laughs> so I didn't think his essay sounded that bad. Just a little bit of mixed metaphor action. You yeah. Know? Might still be able to get into a nice local Hawkins college with that. It's like, it's an allegory, Nancy. Come on. <laughs> it's like, what does that have to do with your grandpa's war? Basketball and World War I. Yeah, and I think that was her point. I was like, you're equating the game with the World War. Yeah, we both won. So yeah. it's the same thing. Grandpa just sits on the couch all day and says, winner. <laughs> Charlie Sheen plays his grandpa. Yeah. Did you... Actually, Charlie Sheen would, would actually kind of fit. That would be super <laughs> believable. Kind of He's totally Steve's grandpa. Uh, so Steve, then, you ever use tiger's blood? <laughs> we get uh, Mad Max and her older brother pull up in the, what was that, a Firebird, Thunderbird, Camaro? I'm not a car guy. <laughs> it was a cool It's a car. muscle car. A badass car. It goes, brim, brim. I know that. Everybody's <laughs> really impressed. He it gets twixed out. all the ladies' nethers. That's what <laughs> yes. it did. Gets out in full <laughs> denim, just with buns of steel. And a really bedheady mullet, I felt. Yeah. But I guess in the eighties, that was hot. And a pedo stash. <laughs> that bedheady mullet, mm, girl. We you skipped over an important thing, though. What did I skip? Steve used the L word. 
I know that's true. He's and it wasn't lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different show. <laughs> I love you, Nancy. That's right. He yeah. offers to uh, work at his dad's job, which sounds awful, and get good insurance and other adult stuff so he can stay back for Nancy's senior year. Which is adorable, but I've lived a lot of too much real life for me to fully enjoy that scene. And I'm like, dude, you're going to give up on college. Stay in Hawkins. Get a job at your dad's. She's going to fucking blow Jonathan in like, in like six months. Three. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. This is some harsh real life right there. Not that she's a bad person. It's just things the, happen. The mature, responsible side of you that has lived a life came out where you're like boy come on yeah go Think to college it through, man <laughs> plenty of fish in the sea don't make me ted your ass right now all all teenage kids do that yes where one is older and faces the, the you know the, the choice of going away to college all of them do that thing like well what if i stay and i'll be with you and i, I don't want to leave you i kind of did that I, I went to a local college but we i still did. dated a girl in high school she was a senior when i you know so i was one year above her and i would go back to high school like couple of times a week to visit her and like a lot of the teachers loved me because I was a nerd so I would sit in on the classes and I remember one of my favorite teachers uh Miss Davis who's fucking awesome she was overly honest it was like four weeks into the new high school year and I'm in college I'm still coming back to high school every day like what's up guys (laughs) check on the girl you know Uh, life's so weird now you know and she's like stop coming here and I was like, am I not allowed? She's like, you're allowed, but it's pathetic. It's just go live your life. It's over. You know? And I was like, ow. Anyway, I don't want that for you, Steve. I don't want that for you. Uh, so then we cut to little Will who, I don't remember him looking so bowl cutty Beatlesy, but I guess he always did. And he opens his locker and he's got a zombie boy picture. He didn't have a lot of screen time in season That's one. I'm not sure true. that we ever got a really good look at him. I felt like he swooped it or something, you know, and now it's just like straight bangs. In the later episodes, his his hair was more like stringy. It was very dehydrated. But I think in the first episode, he did have that like kind of bold. This is what cut. he looks like fresh. Yeah. I like the stringy. <laughs> it's a good look. It's a good look. <laughs> You need to, you know. How mean is that, though? Like, kid goes missing for a week. Kids are mean. Comes back, and then these, it's probably Troy. He's probably like, fucking dummy kid. (laughs) (laughs) Suck it, but I suck it, buyers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, he knows the uh, pee pants girl's not around, as far as he knows. So, yeah, so he finds a little zombie boy picture in his locker. So they're picking on him for having been kidnapped. I'm glad that they acknowledge it, at least, though, because, I mean, like, when a kid... If something as extraordinary as what happened in season one were mm-hmm. to happen, people weren't aren't just going to be like, "Oh, cool, he's back," sure. and then just He'd be go a pariah. About their lives. There'd be so yeah. many rumors, like you know what happened to him. He Jessica in, Hayes cried at the funeral. He was in sociopath <laughs> cops mustache house for like forty weeks. You know, who knows what went on? Oh, I know what went on. How did he escape? <laughs> oh, they were in on it. I guess that's a good way to remind the audience that they did fake Will's death, mm. and he didn't actually die. In season one yeah how do they oh uh, yeah so many point. unanswered so questions many about went to that funeral because they promised not to you know uh involve hawkins lab in any of the explanations and i assume they didn't involve anything supernatural so what the fuck did they say about Willsbach? i'm waiting for someone to screen grab that because there's that one shot of a of a paper clipping that says you know the zombie will mm-hmm. i'm waiting for someone to magnify that photo and actually read the the uh, article. Yeah. I know who can do that, Steve. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that. We are among, we are in the vanguard of season two criticism right now. Tip of the spear. Tip of the 
beer, not <laughs> anything else. <laughs> no tips. Okay, then we cut to Mr. Clark, everybody's favorite science teacher. Drumroll. Wonderful, wonderful little reintro from him. Dustin, drumroll, please. He's oh, such a dweeb. I love him to death. Mr. Clark can get it. Max, he can get it. All the way from the sandy beaches of California, <laughs> Maxine. My name's Max. Uh, the light, like the lights drop and a spotlight hits. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be the, yeah, the current version. I just, <laughs> love, <laughs> I just love the idea of a teacher who shows up to work one day, and in the beginning of the day, the principal says, hey, we're getting a new kid today. Here's some information about him. And Mr. Clark's like, oh, I'm going to make this bitch feel welcome. <laughs> this oh, kid's going to feel so welcome. Maxine. Oh, okay. I love that we got the first glimpse that not everyone appreciates Mr. Clark as much as we do and the boys do. Mm. Because if you scan over the rest of that classroom, there's some dead eyes going on. Yeah, they're like passing those. The one jig with the little wish opener. (laughs) Oh, that was the best. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) I remember those things in school. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I never figured out how to make one. (laughs) Pick a color. No, pick a number. (laughs) You're a bitch. <laughs> they all just say you're a bitch. <laughs> Mine did. Did your guys' not? I they, love those things. They got me. Uh, so then we meet Max, and I realized that the title, you know, here we're bringing it all back. That's the video game girl. Yeah. Genius. I don't know genius yet, but. <laughs> Short for Maxine. Again, but nobody calls her that. The kids are a little too intuitive immediately, like. Max, Mad Max. Remember that high score name on the arcade? That must be her. Maybe not, though. You know, you got to think they're small, not small little minds, but, you know, they're small. Small town. Focus. Yeah. Uh, They are, like, still fucked up. They probably haven't slept since they found out somebody beat their high score in Dig Dug. You know what I mean? That's true. And so the first time they hear that name, it's going to just resonate profoundly with them. Max, where were you last night? You know, like, I totally believe that. You know, Dustin was laying at home in the middle of the night. He's, like, in bed. You can hear the crickets chirping, and then Dustin just goes... Just rubbing his new teeth. He's just like, God damn it, Mad Max. Fucking ding dong. It's my high score. Mad Max. Mom wouldn't even let me see that movie. I don't even get the reference. He's like standing in the rain outside the arcade. (laughs) (laughs) What could have been? Then we cut to Joyce, still working for Donald, which again, I was a little disappointed in. I was disappointed we could see Donald. I want to see Donald. Like, she came back, we can assume, and she's just, like, got two cigarettes left, and (laughs) she's like, hey, Donald, Will's back, so, uh, I'm gonna go back to work now. And he's like, you know you owe me, like, three weeks pay, so you're not gonna get a check for a while. You better be working, Joyce, and not sucking face with your new boyfriend (laughs) in the back closet. I know you're doing it, Joyce. (laughs) Samwise was going ham on the Joyce. Oh, my God. Wow. We're like teenagers, you know, but she's kind of resisting. I got a weird vibe. <laughs> Seeing old Samwise. Why are you being quiet, I don't Steve? know. She seemed into no, it. Yeah, just, she was happy yeah, flustered. She was very happy flustered. Happy she just wanted to get back to work. Didn't want to get caught boning in the shit. He's like, early. I don't like orange pumpkins. I'm going to see some <laughs> more flesh colored pumpkins. Call me by mean? surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I want pumpkins with nipples on them. <laughs> I'm talking about boobs. <laughs> Because that's the kind of game I imagine Bob the Brain has. Yeah, he does. Um, that's not me. I'm in character there. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, just be clear about that. So, yeah, uh, Sean Astin dates the Winona Ryder. Who knew? That's wonderful. It's awesome. And apparently he's a gentleman from high school that she didn't really know that well, but Hopper has less than fond memories of. Probably colored by his jealousy, of course. I feel like Bob was probably the will of his school. <laughs> For sure. So then we cut to uh, Hopper investigating the rotten pumpkin patch and the uh, Merrill 
thinks his neighbor Eugene poisoned all the pumpkins on Halloween night. Sweet old Eugene. Sweet old Eugene. You know I'm not quick to uh, with the accusations there, Hop. But what else could it be? Uh, a million things, sir. So, what the hell's going on with those pumpkins, guys? You think the upside down infection mm-hmm. has some effect on the crops? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we talked about in season one how like it kind of looks like an infection. Mm-hmm. Like just the visual aesthetics of how they portray the upside down in the areas surrounding the gates. And in this one, it's like now they're actually treating it like an infection. Like it is something that's spreading. It's affecting the crops first. And next it's going to be the water and then the food. And then later we get that uh, flamethrower gentleman in Hawkins lab at the gate. And it looks like things are like beginning to grow from mm-hmm. the gate and they're trying to keep them at bay. Yeah, just like take a with flames. flamethrower to it. I know, I picture some guy clocking in and like a whole long take of him going down the hall and packing his lunch away in his locker. <laughs> I think that's his job every day. Just flames for like a good half hour and he's like, he was, all right, I'm leaving, guys. Good day. He was very nonchalant about it. Yeah. He's like, is it my turn again? Uh, yeah. Must be Tuesday. So Hop didn't seem to have any idea. But then we, uh, you know, he goes into the cornfield. Somebody was watching them. Is that what Something the impression we there, were supposed to yeah. get? And they only found a scarecrow. Uh, so that's like question number four. Who was watching Hopper? Who was watching Hopper? Who then, hops the It was hop the man. three-eyed raven. We got to <laughs> Jonathan. Charlie Heaton, my boy, is back, and Nancy's still his friend. He's been thoroughly friend-zoned. We can uh, mm. verify here. Is he back in school? He's back mm-hmm. in school, and she's walking down the hall. She's trying to get him to go to a party so he can get sheet-faced with him. I love that. <laughs> Come and get sheet-faced. That was a very good flyer. Yeah. If I would have went to that party, I, kinda, I probably wouldn't have been invited to. I didn't but. really like that that tagline, though. Like, I get it. It sounds funny, but when I hear sheet-faced, I think, are they going to a clan rally? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's Hawkins, Indiana, maybe. Yeah, that's that's very true. So, did anyone else think I invite everyone but Lucas's family? <laughs> oh. oh my god! <laughs> but I get it. So, I I love Nancy. She's a very sweet lady, and apparently, she just has strong feelings for Steve. A little bit stronger than that of hers for Jonathan. But, and I know that Steve's like actually really cool, and he's cool with Jonathan and how he feels. But you don't just run up and like gorilla grab the girl in the middle of a conversation with her friend who you know loves her and then just suck face a foot away that's rude even if you don't love somebody you know what i mean Mm, even if there's not a weird possible love triangle doesn't love my wife i don't think and (laughs) if Uh, they were talking and i came up and snatched her and was like that'd be rude (laughs) I don't know. I was a little turned off by that. That's like a petty high school thing. I think he knew very much what he was doing. You know, like, you think, like hey, mine, hey mine, friend zone. Moin. You know, moin. Like one of those. I don't know. Yeah. It didn't even seem like he acknowledged Jonathan yeah. was there. He was just, I, I took it more as Steve is very much infatuated with Nancy. Yeah. Like, very, very much. And so it was just kind of like, I'm so happy to see you, blah. The world doesn't matter beyond our mouths. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then she was like, all right. You're right. Oh, wait. Where'd he go? And he's just bucking it. Where'd Jaybird go? Mm. I felt so bad for Jaybird in that moment. That shot of him walking away. Yeah. I was like, how can you be so mean to the bird? How dare you? How <laughs> dare you do that to Jaybird? Sir. Then we cut to uh, the boys are on the hunt for Mad Max, just trailing her. And she's apparently a little too crafty for them. So they think they're following her uh, unawares, tailing her, like just, you know, the little detectives that they are. 
and she throws something away, which they think could be a clue. For some reason, I missed. <laughs> they come running up uh, to the garbage can. Uh, but they're kind of infatuated with her. Girl right? paper. As much as they're a little angry with her. They're like, <laughs> girl paper. They're, they're kind of in love with the idea of her. Like a girl that plays video games. And which, you know, in the 80s, this is, this is a very backwards time. Uh, so they hilariously try to root through the trash can and then hide it from everyone. Which is For some cute. reason, it wasn't sitting right on top. Yeah, well, you know, whoever was it Dustin that was grabbing at it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's not, you know, the brightest kid. Yeah. Actually, he's very smart. I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> he's probably found some other things. Oh, candy. Uh, wait, focus. Focus, <laughs> focus, 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 focus. <laughs> so then they read very slow, though. I'm disappointed in the boys. I know it's... You know, Stop I mean, watching me, you, you crepes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, as the audience, we read it all immediately, like adults. And then we cut to them struggling to read it <laughs> and not finding out what it says till the end. And it's like six words. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's like, what? I, the, the, the line, when I, whenever I go back and watch this episode with my wife, when the line where he's like, go still play video games, that's going to trigger her so hard. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because she's remind a, her that it's she's 1984. A huge, yeah. She's a huge gamer. Whenever we play games together online, there's, and if we play with strangers, there's always that one dude who's like, are you a girl? Why are you yeah. playing games? <laughs> and she was like, fucking little bitch, I can play better than you with your tiny little dick. She gets, she gets really gangster on him. Yeah, it's crazy. Hood. That sounds awesome. But I love the I I love the boys. Like they the whole episode, whenever the four boys are together, they crack me up. Just the way they kind of get excited about things or try to play off that they're being like they try to play off being cool that they're rummaging through the trash. Yeah, Lucas <laughs> Lucas is awesome now that he's not so upset about Eleven. Yeah. He's just got a lot of charisma. Mm-hmm. And him and Dustin are actually kind of the buddies this year because yeah. Mike's still very much mourning Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, I agree with you. I think the comedy between the charisma between the boys is on point. Doesn't Mike even do like a... Not a wink and a gun, but just the gun to the girls when they walk by with their drone. I, didn't I think that. Mike does a weird thing where he's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> not in the trash can. Uh, I'm not the one looking through the trash. Yeah. It's uh, D Dog over there. I'm trying to get him out. You know how he is. I lo- found some chocolate pudding. I love uh, that they acknowledge the fact that Dustin has finally grown teeth. He's like, you're not going to be able to resist these pearly <laughs> Relentlessly. He's, pearly. He's yeah. so stoked about it. What's that, no- he did, what's that noise he makes? He does a... Oh, he does like a yeah, that's right. He purrs. <laughs> does like the purr. Which reminds me of the cowardly lion from The Wizard of Oz, the way he does it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, then we get to uh, Joyce and uh, Will. She takes him to the doctor. So I guess he's seeing... At Hawkins' lab. I know. What's wrong with her? That blew my mind. <laughs> What's wrong with her? That they were at Hawkins Lab. I'm like, why would you go back there? I don't understand. Can somebody well, explain to me? Will what's has going to on? do like the walk of shame too. It's like, oh, we know where you're going. You know what I mean? I don't even. Yeah. yeah so the kids are like, is he okay? He's always mm-hmm. like that before he goes. But why would she take him to Hawkins Lab to have psychiatry tests? And I got the feeling that that was Hop's doing because he's there. And that, I, get, I also I get, wrote that down. Like, why the fuck is Hop there? Like, I got the feeling that he's always there. You know, what I mean? for and, sure. And this is probably like a part of that shady deal that he made. Were they in, trying to make sure the that the radiation hasn't one? reached a point, or is like, what explanation can we have for? Well, it's probably like they're they're gonna tell her that they're just making sure that Will's okay and that he's acclimating back to society, mm-hmm. but. 
knowing them, it's well, probably a more nefarious. They're surely studying him. At yeah, least. a nefarious scheme where they're either studying him for just whatever reason, but they're clearly doing something else that he's tied to. Absolutely, and they want to keep their thumb so on him. Paul Reiser works for Hawkins Lab. I love Paul Reiser, and uh, he's down and dirty. He goes down the same elevator shaft. I was very happy to see that elevator shaft. Yeah, I know. I right? just pictured him getting snatched up in it. Like, yes, <laughs> do it. Do it. Uh, so, yeah, we got some some weird goings on there. I do like how Upside Down is part of the lexicon now. Because mm-hmm. uh, Paul Reiser goes like, was this in the Upside Down or something like that? That's yeah, what confused yeah. me. But I guess you're right that he, I mean, I just didn't know why they were being so open with the doctor. And I couldn't tell at first that he was more than a normal psychiatrist then maybe was referring to the upside down metaphorically you know was this this upside down you're referring to will you know it could have been played yeah. that way as well but right. obviously that's, that's they're aware of the supernatural it. parts yeah I mean, it could also be just because <clears throat> if uh joyce does want her boy to have help they're really the only people that have any sort of knowledge at all so it's one of those weird weird things where like i'm not gonna trust you but no one else knows anything about this yeah that's a good point and I guess, but I there. also kind of feel like um, they should get the fuck out of that town after everything they've been through. I mean, obviously the kids probably couldn't convince their parents, but Joyce and her family could, you know. I get the feeling that Joyce and her family is not well off enough to just up and move. Though. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe with Hop's help, he can get a job anywhere as a sheriff, you know. Sure. She should have to go with Bob the Brain. And Bob the Brain's kind of wealthy, I think, right? Because he's in those yeah. electronics. He's is, got that brain. Hop is not happy for Bob. Did anybody get that impression? Electronic thingamajigs that he sells. <laughs> thingamajiggies. Oh, psh, I forgot the E's. <laughs> yeah, Hop is uh, not a fan of old Bob the Brain. He looks a little jealous that he uh, he's with Joyce. What do you think about the... Uh, I think he's happy for friend zone being the inside. Cuckolding that's going on here. I love it because it's very uh, much against convention and helps the believability of everything that's going on that Hopper does not end up with Joyce and that Jonathan does not end up with Nancy. For a second, I thought you were like, I love cuckolding. <laughs> That's a different story. It's none of your damn business, Steve. It's because you're a globalist cuck. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's one of those things that, like, it's like any soap opera or whatever. Like, you can't uh, have the two leads fall in love and live happily ever after at the end of episode three. You know what I mean? Like, so you they, think that Jonathan will end up with Nancy and Hop will end up with Joyce? I think that Jonathan will end up with Nancy. I don't know about Hop and Joyce. Here's a prediction I want to make right now. Very sad. Hot take. Hot take. I think a seminal character will die this season. Hopper. No. That's what I think. No. He's the most uh, dispensable of them. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's gonna be Jaybird. I, I consider Jaybird, but that'd be mean to Joyce. Too young, plot armor. He's not too young. He's not too young. He's not too young. Mm. He could probably vote. Too young. He's not too young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know who's gonna die, but I know a seminal character. I, you know what I think? Must. Here's my cop. guess. <laughs> You're way the fuck off. God willing, <laughs> Steve dies. Oh, wouldn't that yeah, be yeah. sad and tragic? And convenient for Jaybird. Except that's a lot of mourning for Nancy. Just as for Steve. Don't be friends with Nancy. That's yeah. just... <laughs> but yeah, I think Steve could die. He's way too heroic last year. Now we love him. But he's 
He's Hopper would be too much, but Steve would be the right amount of pain. What about both of them? <laughs> They're like back to back. And he's a masochist. The, yeah. the demagogue rules Hawkins, and it's over. I don't think Joyce and Hopper. Are, I don't think there is a romantic angle with You're those two. Full of duty. I don't think there is. Seriously? No. I'm not seeing any sparks there. No. Brotherly, I, sisterly, platonic love to you. I mean, I could see maybe like a genuine Call him naive Steve. <laughs> I could see a genuine care for nice Steve, a, an individual or a friend that you've been through a harrowing experience with. But I don't see Hopper. I don't see Hopper wanting to explore that avenue, and I don't definitely don't think Joyce well, wants to explore that avenue. Let me paint a little picture avenue. for you here, Steve. Show me the paints. <laughs> Show me the love paints. Getting out my canvas. Hopper, who we know loves the ladies, right? Can I get a holla from the librarian? Holla. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing back there? Winona Ryder, right? Canon that she is a beautiful woman, right? Am I wrong? Indeed. You're not wrong, Chris. Indubitably. Therefore, guy loves women. Woman who is awesome. Hanging out all the time. He wants it. I mean, that was poorly phrased evidence, but you get what I'm getting at. So you're saying that the evidence you're providing that Hop wants it is merely that Joyce is a lady. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're not going to hang that painting in the Louvre necessarily. <laughs> you're not wrong. However, no, I mean, he's very lonely. He's, 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 he's divorcee. Mm-hmm. Um, is that how you say that? Is it for the guy? Um, he's divorced. Yeah. <laughs> he's divorced. Divorcee. Uh, and you know, it's, I think it's obvious in how much he's like knocking Bob, like Bob the brain. I thought the, the Bob the brain Bobby. thing was just more of a like Hopper X jock person who used to make mm. fun of nerd boy. And it's right. like, oh, Bob because the brain. Oh, got, sorry. I made fun of, I, I didn't mean to make fun of grown up man. He's Old got habits. the chick that I want that should be with me. I saved her and I had the machine gun and the boy, I pounded on his chest. I laid all my cards out. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it's it, interesting read. We'll see. We'll see how it develops. Steve. <laughs> uh, same elevator. Already said that. So we cut back to another view of Mad Max there. She's uh, dropped off with, from the whatever hot rod that is. Uh, mm-hmm. if you can write into streamingthingspod at gmail.com with what kind of car that was. Speed racer. She's <laughs> <laughs> arguing with her, uh, I assume it's her older brother. Uh, she goes into the arcade and they spot for a fact that, that is the Mad Max who's amazing at Dick Doug and Lucas and Dustin seem to fall in love. Hmm. Immediately they just collapse and slide down the wall. Eyes with stars floating around them metaphorically. And then we cut to Steve and Nancy at dinner with who turns out to be Barb's parents eating KFC, uh, which is something that apparently Nancy does on a regular basis, which is very kind of her to mm-hmm. help them grieve and mm-hmm. make sure that they're not lonely. Their house is for sale and they seem uh, bizarrely upbeat because they have hired Mr. Murray Bauman. We find out that's why he's there. And they think that he's going to be able to locate their daughter, Barb, I guess, alive. Yeah, I I wonder like because Nancy knows Barb's dead, right? At this which is point. why that scene was very affecting. Yeah, she's like, "Fuck, this is awkward." And so I'm just wondering if like she knows or if she's not allowed to say anything either. You know what I mean? I mean, like, she can't. What would she say? Yeah, I guess. So there's this like vagina in the wall. <laughs> okay, let me start over. There's one in a tree. Wait. Okay. We killed a deer. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, where do you start? 
He was taking pictures of me naked because I was banging Steve. And Barb was outside because she was trying to shotgun a beer and cut her hand. You know what? Barb I'm was just, drinking? <laughs> I'm just going to go home. It's good chicken. Like, what are you saying? Steve, how would you phrase it if you were Nancy? If I was Nancy, yeah. I'd be like, uh, hey, so. Gone. Gone. She's dead. <laughs> I can't tell you why or how. Can't it tell wasn't you why me. or how. Wasn't me. Wasn't Steve. Um, it was some sort of animal, some sort of creature. It was Carol. It wasn't. A, it. It was Carol. Yeah. <laughs> you should look at the Tommy Agent Carol. <laughs> yeah. You investigate them. So it's very sad because Nancy, you know, we're seeing the struggle on her face, and Steve's. I thought I don't. I couldn't believe it worked. Steve is comic relief there, hmm. which is interesting because he's always gotten flack for being insensitive around. Barb missing Barb's dead areas of the show and the mm-hmm. plot, right? Yeah. Uh, you want to go see a movie? So <laughs> she, like, I'm just all in for the fact that she knows Barb's dead, listening to her parents. She has to go to the bathroom and cry. She sees the picture of Barb and it's awful. And then Steve's like, it's finger looking good, you know? <laughs> and I actually laughed and yep. it worked. And I'm like, why? That's awful. But go, you got me. Keep going, Duffer. I mean, Barb's dad looked like a man who really enjoyed KFC. That's, <laughs> he did. He looked like Uncle Vernon from Harry Potter yeah, a little bit. He did. I mean, he's not wrong to really enjoy KFC because that shit's delicious, <laughs> no. but it was, is finger looking good. <laughs> that was a slogan that came later. That's why that's funny, right? Does. I. I'm sure they had that slogan by then. In the in 1984? Oh, for sure. So? I would imagine. Um, I wasn't alive. I don't know. <laughs> Does Steve know that Barb's dead? I would imagine. We yeah. can assume that they've all disclosed everything with one another. That Anybody that was at the event, yeah. Yeah. That's what I would assume. Mm. Fair enough. She's not going to be like, I mean, you basically killed the thing. But I can't tell you what happened in there. <laughs> Um, I t- we did find out that they're selling their house explicitly so that they could have enough money to pay. I know that's so Murray. sad, which is pointless. And, it, and it's a callback because earlier in the episode, when he's in the office with um, Hopper, Hopper's like, "Quit bleeding those people dry." Yeah, and he's referring to. And I thought I had missed something. Barb's uh, family. So this guy is like charging them probably a pretty penny. Oh yeah, like fifty dollars an hour back in the eighties or something. Yeah, pretty penny to sling conspiracy theories about <laughs> Russian invasions and all that nonsense. I'm mad at Murray for them mm. suddenly i'm upset he, i get a walter peck vibe from murray's that guy. gonna get a comeuppance i think he's gonna investigate the little wrong area at some point for sure he's get snatched an up investigative in the journalist i how much i know he's he not possibly like a, charge an hour he's not like a pi apparently he's very expensive <laughs> yeah he used to work he's, for the chicago andy times. Andy, andy he's very well known <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that line by the by Barb's dad. By the way, when he like gives him the business, he's like, "Oh, uh, Murray Bauman. He used to work with the Suns." And Steve's like, oh, "I've never heard of him. He's very well known." <laughs> yeah, it's like you're dumb. That's why. Um, we cut back to Mike. Uh, you know, he gets in trouble. I kind of missed what was going on here. So, what's he in trouble with Ted and uh, uh, Karen about? Um, well, he's twenty. He, he's just been rebelling and I think yeah. it's um, is it because of the, the manifest- piggy bank thing that's well that's part latest, of it yeah. but it's manifestations okay. of him being upset that Eleven's gone you know so well, no, he, for sure. he's like you know acting out at school he's graffitiing the bathroom stall and yeah he's robbing banks with uh, uh, Callie yeah yeah <laughs> So we get this hilarious exchange with Ted in a pathetic effort to be a father and I love the look on Mike's face 
where he's like, what does he say? He says, this isn't strike three. This is strike 20. You're benched. You, you wouldn't even be on the team if it was my coach. And Mike's like, <laughs> the fuck does that mean? You're going to yeah. kill me? Like, like yeah, that, that doesn't his, apply. His reaction's so perfect. I wish we could get that in just in gift form and I'm just telling pop you, Steve, it up every time there's a, a Ted moment. You should be writing down what you're going to be doing later. Uh, Giffing. G-I-F-N. I have to say though, I have to say because this uh, I threw up the Donald Gift Trump okay <laughs> fist there. Uh, I have to say this is kind of spurned on by um, Mike's parents saying like, "All right, you got to pick out half of your toys to throw in the yard sale." And Mike's like, "I don't want to throw half away half my toys away. They're very sentimental to me." And they're like, oh, "Grow up, kid." That whole time because I I'm a toy collector. When they said that, I was like, you fucking monsters. Yeah, like, what is the point half? of that? You're requiring your child to give up half his toys? Yeah. You monsters. No. But it made for a good scene. It did. Because then we cut to maniacs. Mike discarding relics of his past, of his childhood, is what I took from it. Trying to pick and choose what he was willing to let go of. Mm-hmm. And then we get that sidelong, the pan, with the gaze toward the Shrine 011. And not only is he not willing to give that up, but he wants to go and give it another shot. Mm-hmm. We realize how obsessed with 11 he is. He says, day 352, 720 p.m. 11, are you there? So he does it every day. He's done it 352 times, probably multiple times a day since he mentioned the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just heartbreaking, you know? Yeah, it was. But also, did, did you notice the toys that he saved? Never gonna give you up. <laughs> day uh, 352 snowball was 286 <laughs> days ago the um i didn't go it would have to be at least oh i get what you're saying he was saying it was coming up <laughs> you did a good math there buddy <laughs> thanks man <laughs> uh the millennium falcon he didn't give up he also didn't give up the uh the dinosaur the t-rex that's he, one of the first toys he shows 11 when uh, they stay home from school that day everything she's touched yeah nice mm-hmm. meta ego good eye steve ego. Good eye, Steve. You're redeemed for your naivete. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we back to Jonathan, very much taking the bullying to heart, drawing his own much better zombie boy. Uh, or I'm sorry, Will. And then Jonathan comes in to spot his, you know, who's zombie boy? It's me. I'm a zombie boy. Self-portrait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get this exchange between uh, Jonathan and, and Will. It's pretty heartening. I also wasn't always bought into this moment very much. Mm-mm. You weren't either, Andy? Not terribly. Um, yeah, Not Charlie uh, Heaton's best. Not Charlie Heaton's best. Not uh, the kid that plays Will's best. What is his name? Uh, his Will. name is obvious, Andy, and I'm just kind of angry that you don't know it. It's taken me a really long time to recover. And how Noah fucking, sh- something? Uh, yeah. Good old Noah something. Will Byers. Noah Schnapp. Noah Schnapp. 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 Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was just like... Uh, I thought his performance was actually heightened there. I, I just wasn't sure how I felt about the moment. You know what I mean? Like, they... I, I I guess the frustration makes sense. I don't know. Um, maybe it was just Jonathan's performance of it that didn't pan. Yeah, I, I really liked Noah's. I thought it was up a par from yeah. what I usually see from him. But Charlie's was down. What do you think, Steve? I I love the scene. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I just like the idea of um, the his the brother, the bigger brother, kind of telling him you're not a freak. But then 
Will kind of turns that around on him. It's like you don't have any friends. He's like, well, I know you're my best so friend, and I about it. and that is sad. But it's also like it, it, I found it really endearing. Like this older brother's like willing to admit, like, well, you're my best friend, okay? Yeah. And I, he's clearly Will wants people to forget that something bad to happened to him. He wants to be normal. Uh, but Charlie Heaton's Jaybird is still aggressively holding on to his brother. He doesn't want to let him go. And yeah. I find that that really endearing. And also there's that exchange at the very end where they're like, who would you rather hang out with? Or who would you want to be your best yeah, friend? David great. Bowie or Kenny Rogers? And they're, they're both like, Ugh. duh. That's right. It's obvious, it's right? It's obvious, right? And then uh, Bob the Brain comes along, who love Kenny Rogers? <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Rogers? You guys what, jamming? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the Mr. Mom. And I'm endeared to them even more because they love David Bowie so much. Right. So... I think it's funny in that scene that uh, uh, Will's referring to himself as a freak. He's like, I'm a freak. And then Jonathan's like, you know what? You are a freak. So am I. And it's like, uh, dude, that's like, you know, trying to ingratiate yourself into it. Like, I listen to alternative music. He's like, and Will's sitting there like, I got pulled into Alien Land <laughs> and got trapped there for a week. <laughs> like, we're not on the same Alien level here. Land. Yeah. <laughs> I take pictures in the dark. But Jaybird is pretentious. So. That's very yeah. true. You're probably going to be home listening to the Talking Heads fucking and pl- reading Vonnegut. Vonnegut. Yeah. <laughs> I like Vonnegut, by the way. Uh, so yeah, then we cut to the living room where Mr. Mom has been chosen for viewing. Uh, Fantastic. The boys do not appear to be loving it. Joyce appears to be like loving it because Bob's loving it so much. Dude, Bob loves Mr. Mom. <laughs> so this is He's great. Like, Mr. Mom, woo! Jonathan, you <laughs> picked a doozy. This is great. <laughs> He's such a stepdad, but yeah. like a well-meaning one, not yeah, like a Like shitty, a good stepdad. Yeah. Not like a beat you guy or like a Ted guy. Ted's not a stepdad, but I mean, he's like the worst nightmare of stepdads. He's the stepdad of real dads. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's the dad you assume must be actually a stepdad. Uh, The phone rings. So we get like question number five. Who is calling and why is Joyce so terrified of it? Obviously, that's the same phone, I guess. I've got the idea that she like had PTSD too. Mm -hmm. Didn't get a whole lot of phone calls because they have a pretty tight little family who don't have friends. Uh, the only person that probably calls her is in the room, Bob, right? Mm-hmm. Unless it's Hopper or something. Um, and usually when he calls, he's like, get out of the house. Because they framed <laughs> it the exact same way as when she used to sit in that chair with the lamps and shit and stare at the phone. Mm-hmm. So that's the immediate vibe I got, which just like a Joyce also has PTSD from that whole scenario. Um, but who the fuck is calling? Because it's late. It's the 80s. You only got one phone line. You typically don't call at that hour. That's Blockbuster. They're wondering if they could return their tapes and rewound. I'm sorry. You have rented Mr. Mom 47 <laughs> times. In, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway, I guess we don't have an answer for that yet. But just keep on thinking about that, dear listener. Uh, and then we get to Hop's new house. Hop's new house. And a long take uh, with a slight minimal reveal. Steps over the tripwire. That has the knocking code. Didn't mm-hmm. something huge happen or something though? Like after that, or just end? Yeah, I think that he made dinner. He was making. Oh, he's eating the fucking uh, pancakes. Pancake. Was, was it a pancake there, Steve? Egg. Muffin. Are oh, we dragging this out? Listen, <laughs> it was eleven. She's back and she's got hair. Cassie's back on her head. Back again. Eleven. <laughs> no, back. she no longer looks like Eminem. <laughs> Tell a friend. Uh, that was wonderful, Andy. You seemed underwhelmed. You said, "What? Do you want to talk about it?" Um, How are you feeling sad about it? You want to talk about it? (laughs) 
It was, uh, the, well, there wasn't a ton of fanfare for Eleven coming back. I mean, we knew from the trailers and, well, just common sense that Eleven was coming back as soon as they announced season two. There's, she's got the thickest plot armor of all time. Mm. But um, I feel like the second you see um, Hopper walking up to a secluded house that is not his trailer, it's like, oh, he's keeping Eleven there. Cool. You know, and then it, and then it's like this slow pan down to the table, and oh, there's an ego. It's like okay, I knew that about twenty seconds ago. You knew that as soon as you saw the cabin. Oh yeah, immediately. Yeah, I mean, he stepped over a tripwire. It's like it's very clear he's yeah, trying but to keep I was this place like, and yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Steve? Uh, I I liked it. I liked that it wasn't. I kind of like that it was kind of little fanfare because it was just kind of the lack of fanfare was a bigger surprise for me than if they had done fanfare only because I was actually kind of bummed because like you mentioned, we were watching it on subtitles and there's a point where he walks into the house. You don't see anybody. She calls to him from the other room and it says clearly on the subtitles, 11, <laughs> 815. Hey, are you here? Yeah, 815. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I kind of wanted to see her. Yeah. I wanted to like, I, I was in the same boat as Andy. I knew it was probably going to be 11, but just having that subtitle pop up and like, as the this way. is what it is. Yeah. Like, that was kind of like, <laughs> the killer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Should we, we turn them off next time? No, because that kind of helps with the new characters, like who they are. Yeah, at Keith. least for me. Yeah, Ke- yeah, Keith. I didn't even catch that one. I'll talk about this moment, my view of it, in the next segment. Um, but for new listeners, you can take this moment to subscribe, rate, and review before we get to our two most sought-after segments in the show. Uh, uh, and also, we have a little contest going on until November first. This should air by October twenty-eighth, so you'll still have three or four days. Um, math's a little rough there. We have a, if you screenshot the rating and review and send it to streamingthingspod at gmail.com, uh, you are entered to win automatically by virtue of that action, a hundred dollar Amazon gift card, which 100 you can spend bones. any way you choose. How many bones? One. I say how many bones? One hundred. One hundred dollars. One hundred bones. A hundred. A hundred dollar. hundred greenbacks. Amazon gift card just for doing that very simple task and we would very very much appreciate that Andy what is our very next segment on this show well I guess we can't do will call anymore isn't that sad no. No. will call is a retired segment just don't look back in anger um, our next <laughs> anyway here's Wonderwall <laughs> our next section is chocolate pudding is mm. where we choose our favorite scenes of the episode go round pick our top three Steve what was your number three my number three is the reveal of eight. Eight. Uh, starting off strong. It's a great way to open the show. It's very different. That scene where they're robbing the bank at the oh, very I beginning. Know. It's such a different feel than Stranger Things. In fact, if I didn't know we were watching Stranger Things, I wouldn't have assumed that's what we were watching at the mm-hmm. top of the show. It's, it's in, so it's weird in, to see it in a big city. It's in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it pans down to a big city. I was immediately like, oh, what's, what's this? Chris, you picked <laughs> the wrong show, you stupid fuck. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't Hawkins. We're reviewing like Meyerowitz stories. So Eleven turned into Adam Sandler. I guess they recast it. <laughs> He's got short hair. It works. Um, but yeah, it was neat to see like this diverse group of characters that had like a cool uh, like getaway van. Like, as cool as a getaway van could be. I mean, it's a van. But it was cool it's to see them sweet. all driving. There, It's a diverse group of people of different ages and races and sexes. And it was cool. And the, the badass... 
uh, Callie or number eight, as we learned, um, using her uh, psychic abilities. I mean, that's just a cool way to kind of set up the tone for the series and kind of immediately make the viewer go. <laughs> Much like Scooby-Doo, who looks like he should be in that van. He really does. Scooby-Doo. The dude with the mohawk could be shaggy. <laughs> Scoob! Like Callie do something. That was a horrible, horrible shaggy. Anyway, Andy, you're number three. Uh, let's see. My number three would have to be, uh, I called it the Justice for Barb scene. Um, when uh, Nancy and, and uh, Steve go to visit Barb's parents, um, just because it was heartbreaking to see Barb's parents and, uh, you know, like the false hope that they've given themselves in order to believe that their daughter's not dead, even though it's been a year at this point. Right. Which is really, really sad. Um, and uh, Steve's uh, little uh, KFC line was uh, awesome. Uh, awesome comic relief but what really did the scene for me was nancy having to step away go to the bathroom and like just sort of break down you know because she's still not over it. her best friend's dead you know and uh she's having to sit there keep a straight face and lie to her mm-hmm. friend's parents about like yeah you know she still has a lot of up, guilt for keep that fighting too. the good fight i can't help but have it pissed on a little bit knowing that they probably wrote this entire plot thread in due to fan reactions to justice for barb i wondered about that i had that same thought because as soon as it like they did the interior shots of the house and there's like 18 pictures of barb Mm. sitting there (laughs) um it's like excessive amount of photo frames right well that was my initial reaction like wow this is literally the justice for barb scene um but then i thought of like nancy's does make uh, sense for her character yeah, or yeah like her bittersweet um will reunion moment when she like has to, to fuck s- steve yeah yeah <laughs> when she had to take a step away reference to an earlier episode if you guys didn't get that um uh, yeah when she had to t- you know her face kind of falls she has to step away for a moment like you know she's going to be affected probably worse than anybody else in this series except for maybe will mm-hmm. and uh yeah okay I get it. I, I, if it is, if this whole scene is in reaction to the justice for Barb outcry, um, I'm very interested to see where it goes just because the character of, uh, Murray seems like he has a role to play in the course of the story. Right. For oh, season. Yeah. They wove it deep because so, yeah. his love was deep for Barb. So, I mean, I'm, I don't, I, it just sounds condescending, but I'm a hundred percent sure that, I mean, since they wrote it since the end of the season, that this is a result of that and they mm-hmm. would come I know that they were utterly shocked by the reception for Barb mm-hmm. and I am very shocked and, and pleased that it's taken such a large chunk of what, what appears to be the plot but um, what's your number three my number three was the uh, premiere of Mr. Clark that whole scene <laughs> uh, the arrival of Max um, just I mean I love Mr. Clark uh, through and through it. he's a wonderful man Steve wants to have sex with Mr. Clark I think <laughs> he can get it he can apparently get it I mean get I think it, it is Steve's penis um, yeah I just I love that and the you know we see the boys they fall in love with a girl and not just Mike you know because Mike's kind of if you notice left out of the chase for Maxine Oh yeah. So he, cause he's, he's hung up on 11, you know, he's, so. he's taken ladies. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but then we get this Lucas and Dustin vying for Max's attention, uh, which is pretty awesome. So anyway, that just got a lot of joy for me. Steve, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is 
I know you guys hated it, but it's the the scene with Jaybird and uh, Will. Hey, man. I I just, I just, I I don't know. I really, really felt endeared in that moment. Just the way Jonathan and Will were, you know, interacting. And then that last David Bowie line. You're just a big Bowie fan, aren't you? It's, I wish my brothers talked to me like that. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, what was your number two? Um, My number two was the uh, intro to Maxine. Um, Just, uh, I love Mr. Clark, the whole drum roll thing, the, the little girl with the Foley wish thing really did it for me yeah. because they, they again, the Duffer brothers show this amazing ability to remember what it's like to be a kid. And, you know, like the passing notes thing and the vacant expressions and stuff like that. Now, that's pretty obvious stuff to do if you're going to do a kid's uh, middle school, high school uh, character thing. But it just the excitement that Mr. Clark um, had when he's introducing this new character. She tries to just walk by and he's like, oh no, you're not getting off that easy. He knows he's a dweeb, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Sure. So he's like, he, he kind of hams it up a little bit and then he's got his three favorite or four, three favorite students sitting up front and he's like, Dustin, drum roll, you know, I don't know. it's just uh, an endearing <laughs> character moment. Uh, my number two was the unveiling of eight or Callie. Um, purely for what that entails and how much we had all been speculating for the past year um, and we came, you know, to a general consensus. Like it's got to be about, you know, one through ten in some form or another and just to be vindicated right off the bat. Uh, and it already it just it was symbolic of how much bigger the story is about to get. You know, this big city that everything's taking place in, you know, we need room to grow for how much more plot this is. Not that the story is going to take place in, in Pittsburgh, but just the scope of that sequence is kind of like the scope of this, you know, mm. the two, how much two year we're about to get. Uh, so I was just very excited. What if they had made her two instead of eight? <laughs> <laughs> a little corny. Uh, I would have went with nine or six, but anyhow, Joyce yeah. is six though, right, Andy? Yeah. That'd be, be awesome if she was. Steve, you're number one. Uh, my number one is... The reveal of Eleven. I just, I'm such a fanboy for Eleven. So even if you, I saw it coming a mile away, just like mm-hmm. you did, Andy, I still was just like, I want to see her. I want to see her. I want to see her. Where is she? Wow, what's the hair situation, right. Andy? What is the hair situation on Eleven? Uh, I love her hair so much. I know it's curling and, and she's got overalls. It's so, it's so adorable. But, um, I just I love that scene because it shows that Hopper is taking care of her. She's still around. She is she's learned a, a she's got quite a larger vocabulary since the last time we saw her. She actually yeah. strung together a sentence or two. Uh and also just the the visual of Hopper with a quote unquote daughter at the end. Mm-hmm. It's just a if if we just watched the series or season finale of uh, season 1 a couple of days ago. So going into this fresh, it kind of really hammered home. Like, oh man, that's why Hopper's taking care of her. That's so perfect. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, but it's Sarah. so perfect. That's his new Sarah. And uh, I'm excited to see where their relationship goes over the course of the season. So yeah, Absolutely. that's my number one. Andy, what is your number one? My number one is got to be uh, the opening, introducing Callie, number eight. Um, I just that was a. Uh, plot thread that I was really hoping that they would do for the se- this season because it made so much sense to give us an evil 11 um, and I was super not disappointed like the fact that she can not uh, if she had just knocked down those rocks to block the bridge and prevent the cops from following them that would have been like 
oh, cool, you know, she's an evil 11. But the fact that she implanted a vision in his head to make him swerve, like, that's like, oh, shit, this is 11 on a different level. This is 11 when she's, like, 20 and she's had some time to practice, you know, and or maybe they have completely different abilities. But point being, this is a more powerful, evil Hawkins Labs failed experiment, and I'm super stoked to see what happens with her. Get her backstory, too. I was so curious. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, my number one uh, was the return of Eleven. Um, very similar reasons to Steve. Obviously, I'm a huge Eleven fanboy. I mean, everybody who is a fan of the show is. But, see, I think that scene, it just read way differently to me. It, it wasn't that it was supposed to be surprising, though I did not. I'm very tired. I'm not going to say that Andy only beats me when I'm tired as far <laughs> as guessing. But I did not think Eleven's in there when I saw the house. My I was partly because I'm taking notes, too. So I'm writing, Hop has new house. Um, <laughs> he's doing well for himself. I'm like, why is there a tripwire? Oh no, get out of there, hop. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not supposed to be a shock that she's there because we're waiting on her, mm-hmm. right? But I love the long take, the slow step over the wire, uh, the steady cam shot that went around the house as he's setting his gun on the counter. Um, it just, it read, it was very Coen brothers, like the show Fargo. Yeah. It just fucking gorgeously shot. And then just ending at the table and you see the ego remains, right? Which no child worth their salt would leave any piece of an ego left, but I got the function of it and I was going to, I was willing to stretch that. And as soon as you see the ego, just smile up your fucking face. Like, oh yeah, you know, Hop ain't eating that ego. (laughs) He got a new daughter. And I love that, you know, they know that you know, and they're dragging it out with the long take. Just Mm. teasing your balls. You know what I mean? Teasing your balls. Just letting the air from your fingers caress them before they're going to get a full grab. (laughs) And I uh, took that metaphor too far, and I apologize. But I stand by the meaning. I wish the listener could have seen what you were doing with with your hand just now. They can imagine. Uh, so that brings us to our next segment, the, the Easter Eggo Hunt. Uh, we hunt for all of the Easter eggs, cultural references, and homages to other stories, films, and such in the episode itself. And, of course, for many reasons, uh, really one more important reason, we call them Eggos. Easter Eggos. So I think we should rattle off some some low-hanging Eggos. The, the time of the show is kind of dragging on here. Mm-hmm. Let's just yeah. let's do our thing, boys. Andy, start us off. Uh in the arcade, there's I saw Centipede, Dig Dug, Pac-Man, Galaga, and oh, you saw Galaga? I saw Galaga, and I saw Galaga too. Also had a uh, little uh, neon light Pac-Man thing, which was sweet. Right on, right on. Was that the Miss Pac-Man cabinet? I don't know if it was Miss Pac-Man or not. Oh, I saw a Miss Pac-Man. Did you? I didn't know if that right was on. the same one I, that you saw. Steve. Oh, and Dragon's Lair, obviously. Dragon's Lair. Air hockey. Air hockey. Who doesn't love air hockey? That's got to be <laughs> at an arcade. It, but I never knew what Dragon's Lair was. Didn't look like much actual game to that game. It was very cutscene <gasps> Yeah. I actually it's, didn't know that they did. It's like a quick time event game, sort of. Yeah, I didn't know they had a Dragon's Lair cabinet. I didn't either. I yeah. never knew that that was a cabinet game. I thought that was just like a PC or. You know, the Duffers don't make shit up. <laughs> no, clearly. I mean, <laughs> gospel. That gospel. is their word. There you go again, um, Steve, being naive. I lo- <laughs> uh, We had, uh, since I'll, I'll do the songs that I picked up, uh, we had a Devo, Whip It, played a couple Whip times. Whip It good. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to see some uh, Rocky Like a Hurricane by the Scorpions. Scorpions. Um, they mentioned the Talking Heads, like we 
did we uh, mentioned previously with uh, Nancy talking to him? Oh, which yeah. uh, I'm just saying, I feel like uh, Jonathan's taste in music is exactly what I listen to all the fucking time. Because mm-hmm. every time he turns on music, I'm like, dude, Jaber, get off of my iPod, <laughs> <laughs> get out of it. <laughs> but uh, Chris, uh, I'll just rattle off some quickies too. Um, the Blockbuster video store is kind of a relic of the past yeah. now. I mean, not no. necessarily an 80s thing. Uh, That's one of those things that when we tell stories to our children, like, oh, we were at the video store renting a VHS, people are going to be like, we don't know what that is, stupid. You old, you old man. <laughs> what uh, is that? And the same with the VHS recorder that Bob the Brain had. Um, obviously, the Mad Max is a very low-hanging ego. Mm-hmm. What is that referencing? It's a movie called <laughs> Mad Max, starring Mel Gibson. Who is Max, and why is he so angry? Uh, I believe it's there Tom was a Hardy. Bo Derek name drop. Yep. And I'm also going to throw in uh, Full Denim as a cheap ego. <laughs> full the denim. pants and the jacket, I think. Uh, Canadian tuxedo. Andy, <clears throat> complicate things a little bit for us. Okay. Um, there is a little, like... Uh, I, I guess you can't call it a montage, but like establishing shots um, towards the end of the episode um, of like sink and uh, clock on the wall and then sink dripping, Will peeing, and and then he goes outside and he sees the, uh, what I'm going to call the Tessel Hydra until they... Thessel. Thessel Hydra until they call it something else. Um, no, dur- then we're still going to call it that. During that series, um, the clock on the wall reads 105, which means both hands are pointing at the number one. It is 11. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. 105, they're not both pointing at one. I was pointing at five. No, it's pointing at one. Yeah, it's five. <laughs> analog clock. Did the analog 11. <laughs> That's almost an ego nowadays, an analog clock. Yeah, yeah for sure. Really. <laughs> yeah, nice. That was good. Andy. I was even Thanks looking. I'm shit. not gonna lie. I was even looking at the clock and just kind of was like, nope, <laughs> nothing. I'll piggyback off that. This is kind of a low hanging one, but that same scene is the is a callback to uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind with the door opening when he opens the door and all the lights are going off. That's like a, a complete shot remake from uh, when the little boy gets abducted in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and it was beautiful. It's just beautiful. Uh, I do have a couple other super low-hanging fruit. Um, Joyce is patching up a Ghostbusters logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll probably get a I ton. That. ton uh, yeah, it's right before uh, she gets uh, manhandled by, by uh, <laughs> Bob's brain. <laughs> we Bob got was up in her brains. Uh, there's an obvious one that I'm I, I'm surprised that Chris didn't mention, but I'm gonna save it for you because I think you'll get it next time around. Uh, obviously, we have the Millennium Falcon, KFC, um, Mr. Man. Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. Mr. Man. Mr. Man. Mr. Man. Reagan Bush sign. And then, uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but when he was like going through the, the cornfield, I couldn't tell if that was referencing um, Children of the Corn or... Uh, I couldn't... I, knew I got a something. signs vibe off of it, but I don't think I it would be too, referring, but I was referencing like, signs. Definitely not doing that. But I don't know. They're huge Shyamalan fans. I Remember? Ah, that's true. Wayward Pines. That's one of my favorite Shyamalan movies. It's very possible. It scares the pee out of me. It also could be uh, Scarecrow. Was that a horror movie in the 80s? Or I think it's late 90s. Scarecrow? I yeah. Mean, I don't know. You ever saw that one? Jeepers Creepers. It Jeepers. was a Jeepers Creepers called. It was probably the Mr. Man in the corn. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Man. Um, okay, I got a couple more low ones I might have actually made up. Obviously, uh, Bowie and Kenny Rogers. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Cruise 
I really felt like the the sunglasses they picked for Steve in the high school when Natalie uh, Nancy her name's Natalia when Nancy told him to take them off that he just looked a lot like young Tom, Tom Cruise there which whom I know she's a fan of um, also is that a fourth is that what you think that was hmm what you're pointing at right there on the notebook, Andy? I, I'm, I'm snitching you out. Yes, I have three Terminator references. Oh, wow. So is that a fourth? Because uh, there could also be one the obvious ones. his glasses. You're saying? Oh, no, 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 guys. I'm going to walk you through this shit here. I think the glasses are actually a fourth one. Not a Tom Cruise reference, but the Arnold Schwarzenegger glasses. I think you're right, Andy, without knowing it. The Terminator was on the marquee. Yeah, for sure. At the movie theater. Also, when uh, Maxine's older brother steps out of the car, the boots, uh, it's very much like Arnold Schwarzenegger after he beats up the biker and takes his clothes into Judgment Day. I love those shots where the door opens and the foot hits the ground and then it cranes up. Yeah. Yeah. But he does that on a motorcycle quite Mm. often in Terminator 2. I think it was very... I thought it was looked like his boots. Super iconic. Uh, and then the upside down taking over the planet in Will's visions looks very much to me like the apocalyptic future that they cut to very rarely in the original Terminator. Uh-huh. So yeah. lightningy and crazy I looking. That. I think it was inspired by Skynet that shit going down. And I think <laughs> the glasses is a fourth one. I took it to be Tom Cruise, but it's actually Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nice. So I think Terminator is going to be the. Um, E.T. of this season. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of E.T. E.T. was just like hardcore, you know, one of the leaders of the mm-hmm. pack as far as Easter egg goes for last year. And I think Terminator is going to be a huge through line for this season. And going with E.T., that's my last ego. Um, when the doctor asks Will what his favorite candy is, Will's all hesitant, and then he finally says Reese Pieces. Mm-hmm. And that was E.T.'s candy. That's we'll what throwback. they, they used throwback. to... Uh, that's a little breadcrumb trail. Breadcrumb trail. Oh my God. Breadcrumb trail. Not a breadcrumb trail. <laughs> Going off of what you said, Andy, about E.T., um, uh, one of my last ones is uh, the, the shot when Hopper pulls up to his house at the very end. You just It's like black forest, and then all of a sudden like headlights that just kind of like zoom forward and then stop suddenly. Mm. That's very much a E.T. shot from when sure. E.T.'s running through the woods and all these cars are just like driving in the forest somehow and stopping and they got their <laughs> headlights on full blast. That's a very E.T. shot. And then my last ego, I think Paul Reiser himself is an ego. Cause That's he, very true. his character, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Like Sean Astin is too. Yeah. Then. Well, I mean, well, I mean like Paul Reiser himself, his character is almost exactly like his character in aliens. That's like the same thing where it's yeah. like corporate guy, more scientist like guy <laughs> who uh, who uh, shows up. He's like, you can trust me. I'm a friendly face. I'm on your side. But he's actually doing some more malicious deeds, possibly. Yeah. He's a real stinker is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have another one, but I might be making it up because I haven't seen it. You've seen the Warriors more recently. Than I have, I would imagine. No, I don't know. It's been like ten years since I've seen Warriors. Did you think the opening sequence was uh, a Warriors vibe? I get a Warriors vibe from that little band. Yeah, I did definitely when they took the masks off, and I just it was all the haphazardness of their clothing, and you know, uh, I don't know. I just I thought I'm going to call it a Warriors reference because we know from the trailer there's more. 
Um, I want Paul Reiser later in the series to be like, Callie, come out and play. Can <laughs> Clinking you bottles together. dig it? Can you dig it? I also wonder if there's a significance to Pittsburgh. Because uh, that's a pretty far cry from Hawkins. And I just felt like, uh, you know, maybe... That's where the tax credit was for the filming, but because they're stealers, because they're robbing the bank. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Uh, So thank you so much for listening. I promise uh, that was pretty good, but it gets even better when we are not awake for 30 hours straight. Um, So if you're a new listener, again, I'm sorry to belabor this, but we got some stiff competition out there. So you could subscribe, rate, and review. And remember, you can get a $100 Amazon gift card if you send all of that work in a screenshot to streamingthingspod at gmail.com. 100 Or you can just send feedback, positive or negative, to that same email address. We will be uh, waiting to watch the rest of the show. And so we'll be tortured. Uh, Steve's got a lot of gifts to make, a lot of shows to edit. So we're going to drop this in a couple hours and then you can listen to it. My free time. And we'll get on to episode two as soon as humanly possible. Thank you so much for all of your ears. My name is Chris. I'm Eddie. And I'm Steve. And this is one million dollars. Streaming things. Streaming. Streaming things. Dollars. 100 bones. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna leave that in. Who's gonna hear us like trying to play it off? <laughs>